30 for 30 podcast uh, this week. We've got Larry Smith here, um, the the voice as he's known on Illini guys. Um, uh, you know, Mister uh, Mister. You know, I don't know how to say. It. I, I don't know what you'd call yourself. He's a he does anchor. He does. He's done a little bit of everything. So uh, thanks for joining us today, Larry. Um, tell me about tell me about the Illini guys project a little bit about your your uh, your thoughts on it and your in, input there. Yeah, you came up several months ago and just, um, you know, a few of us kind of got together. And um, obviously, as you know, we've been friends for a long time. Uh, big Illini fans since we were kids. I think of, you know, when I was in grade school, I had a little black and white with rabbit ears and I would sit in my room and watch, you know, this is, you know, James Griffin and, you know, Derek Holcomb and, you know, <laughs> or, you know Eddie Johnson, Mark Smith, you know, way back, uh, Kevin Bontemps, all those guys. And um, we just began to think about in terms of, um, you know, what if we took some of the conversations that we had and, and the contacts that we have um, and we we did a website, you know, I mean, you know, we're I probably have probably four or five different chats I'm involved in that, that people invited me into. I didn't start them, but I'm in and I find myself talking during games with all these other different people. What if there's one portal where we could do that? And uh, here it is now about to launch. And um, I think it's it's going to have something for. Um, for all fans, if you're a diehard fan, or if you have just some maybe non-sports connections to Illinois, I think there's something uh, in there for everybody. That's yeah, it's great. I, it's exciting. I think it's a little bit different than everything else. So uh, I think that what makes it stand out. Of course, it doesn't hurt that Illinois basketball is pretty good right now. Um, they're having a great season, coming off the win over Purdue. Uh, they you know they beat Purdue 66-58. I think uh, it was nice to see them win a game maybe when they didn't need Io Sumu to go off. You know, people say, well, you know, he was this or he was that. He only had 12 points and, um, you know, whatever, five rebounds. Just maybe not a typical Io game. When you come off back-to-back 30-point games, that's obviously you, – you can't keep scoring 30 every game. Um, but so, but I think it's impressive that they were able to grind out a win because it was a different kind of win for them. They've been scoring, a, you know, in fast seven seconds, and Purdue took them out of transition, but they were still able to get the win. They defended well, and um, so it's exciting to see them win some games. What do you think about the, the Illini so far? I agree, and and you know, you and I both had those questions. Why why launch this now in the middle of a pandemic? Like, well, because it's Illinois basketball, and we're enjoying the best season we've seen. Uh, probably in 15 years, um, you know, if they win against Northwestern, they're they're five and one in conference. That's their best conference record through six games since the 2005 conference season. So there's a lot to be excited about. I could agree with you more. Um, you know, I think we kept waiting for. I kept every media timeout checking, saying, "Gee, I'll still scoreless. I'll still scoreless." But it gave everyone else a chance to step up and get it done without him. He would have to be a facilitator. Um, what you've got with Illinois right now is that you actually have enough weapons that it makes this team dangerous on offense that you've got Iowa and Kofi, the two All-American, All-Conference guys everyone talks about, but you also have three shooters on the floor. Devontae Williams, are you kidding me with what he's doing? Trent's one of the all-time scorers. He can hit threes. Adam Miller's a freshman, struggling a little bit, but he's dangerous enough you've got to focus on him. In fact, during that run started by Devontae's three, six different Illini scored baskets. Um, if Iowa's doing what Iowa usually does, that doesn't happen. And with a veteran coached team, uh, produce a young team, but – Matt Painter's a good coach. I agree with you. That was exciting to see them come through, grit that out, uh, and get a win. It's the Big Ten. I don't care what team it is. Um, you take a win in the Big Ten, and, and, and you move on. And it was great to see him fight through that 16-0 run to start the second half and, and come back and get the win. 
Yeah, it was almost one of those looking at old school as one of those Big Ten slobber knockers. Isn't that the isn't that the phrase they used? It was one of those uh, grinders. So, so our first uh, guy on the podcast today is going to be um, former Illini basketball player. He won a couple Big Ten titles back in the day. Um, Sean Harrington. He also spent some time as the um, you know as a, a the Doba when he was actually a recruiting assistant for Illinois um, during his time. Um, so Sean Sean's got. Obviously, a huge connection to Illinois, um, graduating from Elgin and then, you know, coming down and having a, a great career at Illinois for four years. And um, what do you have any Sean Harrington memories from when he played? You know, just solid. I mean, I, I there's there's no one play that stands out, but it's one of those that to watch him watch his career grow, as you mentioned, in coaching and now the analyst stuff he does. Um, he's one of those guys that when I know he's on the call, I'm going to sit down and listen to the game. I don't care who's playing. Um, he was one of those guys that just, you know, I was so thrilled that he chose Illinois I back when he was being recruited out of high school. Um, and then he was always there. And I knew we had a better chance to win with Sean there as, as a part of the team. And um, I know he bleeds orange and blue and um, it's great to have, have him on your podcast. Yeah, it's exciting. I, I always go back and, and, you know, obviously saw a lot of the games, uh, most of the games he played in, but I remember the Minnesota game up at the barn when he hit six threes, you know, and, um, uh, help uh, you know that that year and you know he was a guy who also had to kind of you know check his ego a little bit at the end you know his last year you know when uh, you, these young guys come in and he's coming off the bench a little bit you know it, you know you kind of go through that process think you're starting so I, I think you see a guy who's a team player and I think that's important in um in uh you know on your teams and you've got a veteran guy who's willing to do that and come off the bench and still get your he's still playing 20 to 25 minutes but you know, just playing a different role and, and it keeps a, keeps everybody happy and having the maturity to understand that. So I think that was important for him. So so when we uh, when we come back, we'll have Sean with us and uh, we'll uh, we'll kind of we'll talk about the Big Ten season, the Illinois season and maybe a few uh, stories from back in the past when Sean was a player and coach. So should be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. All right, Sean Harrington, former Illini basketball guard and uh, former coach, um, now ESPN analyst and uh, college basketball aficionado is joining us today. And uh, uh, welcome, Sean. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Absolutely. Good to see you. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. Um, it's, of course, we don't see anybody today um, in today's day and age. It's more this is how we see them through a computer screen. So, um, But it's, it's still good to talk to you. So are, are you happy 2020 is finally over? I think so. Yeah, I think everybody's uh, ready to turn the page. And uh, obviously, you know, being basketball guys, we've got basketball on, so we can't complain too much. And uh, we're able to watch basketball and uh, break it down, analyze it. So uh, as long as we can do that, life is okay, right? Yeah, that, there is a positive there. So um, yeah, it's a, it's been different. I don't know if you've been able to, I know you're, you guys call most of your, the games you called have probably been remote um, so far. Have you been, have you been able to go to any arenas so far and see any of these kind of no fans games? Yeah, I have. And so it, it is different. It's very different to be in the arena with, with no fans there. Um, you know, I think it's really hard for maybe your juniors and seniors that have played two, three years with packed stadiums, packed arenas, and now you kind of go in there and, uh, you know, they do a good job of kind of pumping up a little crowd noise and music and stuff like that. But uh, obviously there's nothing like a full arena and it feels like an exhibition or a practice or like a secret scrimmage kind of a thing. So, um, 
I think that gets overlooked a little bit. You got to give some of these players some credit to come in night in and night out to kind of get their own energy and create some of that when, to be honest, it, it, it does. It feels like it's almost an exhibition or a scrimmage at times. Does it make you appreciate those old Penn State players more now? <laughs> yeah, maybe, right? I try, try to get your own uh, crowd noise in there. And, uh, um, you know, it is. it is. It's very different. And the play in front of kind of a quiet arena, it's just like who's got the advantage, right? I don't know if – obviously everyone's playing under the same conditions, but would some of these outcomes go the same way, one way or another, whether there was crowds in there? I, it it really affects the game when the crowd is in an arena and you feed off of it, whether you're the home team or the away team. Uh, so it, it, it is, it, it has an impact on these games. No question. So, you know, obviously Illinois is off to a great start. They're ranked, um, you know, I think 15th in the country, they're ranked um, uh, in the, you know, seventh in Ken Palm and sixth in Sagarin. What, what are your thoughts so far? I'm sure you've had a chance to watch them a few times. What do you thought? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I like this team, you know, and obviously, the first thing you're going to do as a coach or, you know, a fan times, you're going to go see what's the negative, right? Well, what are they doing right. that, we, that we don't like or that you think they can get better? But to just real quick general on them, I think they're built for the long term. You've got two really good players in, in Io and Kofi that you're talking inside, outside that can take over a ball game, dominate a ball game. Both have been very consistent. I think maybe last night when they Io's, I don't want to say worst game, but maybe most quiet game. And he's still going to get you, you know, double figure uh, points. Um, so I think when you got two guys like that, that can dominate inside and out that have been very consistent over the course of, you know, the early going here, but a, a little over a third of the season. Now uh, you got two horses that you can ride. It allows everybody else to kind of fall into their roles, but um, you know, they, they can defend when they need to, they can win kind of an up-tempo game. They can win a grinded out kind of sloppy game. So they can win different ways. Um, and you've got some experience on this team. And then you've got some really good youth as well. So I think it's a really good dynamic on this team. It's a fun team to watch. Uh, and I like the way that they're built right now. Obviously, you know, when, when Io and Kofi declared they were coming back, I think that definitely um, what, what you looked at it and said, they're going to be good, right? And so – but it's been, uh, I think some of the other guys have really stepped up. I mean, you're a shooter, uh, obviously. You're, you were a great shooter. You know, you're in the top 10 Illinois career three-point shots, uh, over 40% for your career. But, I mean, did you ever have a streak like DeMonte Williams is having right now where you – I mean, like every time he shoots it, you think it's going in and he misses. It's like, well, what did you do wrong? You know, I mean, it's he's shooting almost 70% from three. And it's really been amazing because he's a guy who was not known as a shooter coming up. He wasn't known as a shooter his first three years. And now he's leading the, the big 10 and the nation in three point shooting. Yeah, no, it's really impressive. And I mean, you're talking 70%. It's not seven for 10, you know, he, he's got a decent sample size now. And it's, I think he's up to a little over 30 attempts. Uh, I think if you count last night, so uh, it's, it's a lot of attempts now to be that consistent at that high of a number for this long now with that many attempts, it, it's really impressive. And I remember going through maybe two or three game stretches where you were just in a zone and kind of in the rhythm. I had a couple, you know, four for fives, five for sixes that were back-to-back, -back, you know, games kind of a thing. But you're talking, this is over a month of actual time. And this is over now, uh, you know, 10 games or so. And um, 
you know, it, it, it's, you said you're surprised now when he misses, when it releases, you expect it to go in and uh, you know, the shot looks good. And, and I think the biggest thing is you just mentioned the percentage was not there coming into the season. I think it was a low 20% three point shooter coming into the year. So it shows what you can do in an off season. If you're going to put in time, if you're going to put in the effort, if you're going to put in that gym, that gym work, you can correct, correct the jump shot. It also tells you what confidence does for you. He's shooting the ball with all kinds of confidence right now. When you believe it's going to go in, more than likely it's going to go in, and he's taking really good shots. And when you watch the shots he's taking, they're in rhythm. They're within the offense. He missed one last night, and I think it was in front of their bench, and it was a bad shot. It was quick. It was kind of running down the floor. That wasn't his game. And so it's like you see that don't take those kinds of shots. When he's taking the shots he's been taking the whole season, He's going to make a lot of them. I don't think he's going to stay at 70%. Eventually that's going to kind of come down, but uh, he can be a very good shooter for this team moving forward as long as he keeps doing what he's been doing so far. Yeah, it's been impressive. I was going to say, Brad, if I can jump in, Sean had great points, 24% shooting in, from three in his first 92 games uh, and 67% since then. The last three games of last year and now this year, I think he, that's the difference maker. He's the guy you didn't see coming. And it just, it's one more thing the defenses have to worry about. You, you had, I always go back to your, I remember your career, you know, um, cause I'm, I'm older than you. I, I mean, that doesn't mean you're young, but I'm, I'm definitely older than you. And I remember your career uh, when you hit six threes up at the barn. Right. And I remember that game. And so uh, that was kind of, kind of one of those things where you were in the zone. I think uh, uh, coach self talked about that after the you know game, how, how, uh, how, how impressive that was. You have, is that one of your best memories? Probably. It's right up there. Yeah. I, I had to bust that one. I don't watch a lot of old footage, but I had to bust that one out to show the kids the other day, you know, just kind of like, yeah, your old man could make a few shots once in a while. So, uh, yeah, that was, that was a fun one. I think it was, uh, uh, three threes in like a minute stretch. And we went from yep. down four to up five or down five to up four in, in a minute stretch. So, um, and, you know, you love to do something like that at home with the crowd, but it's almost even more enjoyable when you do something like that on the road. And it went from crowd kind of into it. They have momentum in Minnesota to just silence and, you know, force them to call a timeout. And, yeah, those, those are memories that stick with you for a while. And those are some fun times. Yeah, it's good stuff. And now you uh, – so you had an interesting thing. It's, a lot of people have talked about Andre Curbelo um, entering the starting lineup. I mean, that's because only had a couple slow starts. And – I know I go back to your history and your senior year, you came off the bench um, and you, you've got a couple, some young guys coming in and you came off the bench. I mean, talk about your, uh, you know, how that was for you. I mean, obviously as a senior, you're thinking, well, I should start. I've been here for four years, but then you've got some talented freshmen and talk about how that was for you. Yeah. And I think it's player to player and, and I didn't mind either way. It really didn't affect me too much. And sometimes players do enjoy coming off the bench and, um, you know, you just kind of look at it. Sometimes you can kind of see the flow of the game, especially if you're a freshman, just kind of get a feel for the sense of what type of game is this. Um, you know, some guys are comfortable seeing how that plays out in front of them before they get in there. Sometimes you have a little bit of those nerves and those jitters, and then it just kind of goes away once the game kind of starts. And so then when it's your number to be called, you're ready to go and you can kind of relax. Uh, rotations play a little bit of a part in that sometimes as well. Who are you going against on the other team? Obviously they may be starting their best five. Uh, so matchups may not be in your favor to start. Um, I saw some of the, the quotes that they, you know, they made last night. 
you know, he, Cabello's obviously very comfortable coming off the bench. He shows it. Um, the other thing is, I know they're getting off to slow starts, but do you want to mess with kind of a good thing right now, right? You're, you're four and one in the Big Ten. It hasn't cost you a game yet. You've been able to kind of come overcome some of these slow starts. Does it completely mess with maybe his game? Who would you sit right now? Maybe Miller because he's struggling a little bit. Does it mess with his head that he's coming in off the bench? Uh, so you got to be careful with some of that sometimes just to switch things, just to switch them. And uh, just, again, now you're messing with the rotation. So I think as long as everybody's okay with it, as long as you're winning games, guys are comfortable starting, guys are comfortable coming off the bench, you don't really mess with it a whole lot until maybe there's a lot of concerns in those situations. But uh, there are guys that just prefer to come off the bench. They just like to see what happens in front of them before they get out there. And maybe it saves foul trouble. You know, maybe you could picked up a quick foul in that first two, three minutes, and now maybe you have to take them out anyway, or, you know, something like that kind of messes with your rotation. So um, you got to be careful sometimes uh, changing things when things are going well. You had, um, you played with some pretty good freshman point guards back in the day. And so what, what are your thoughts on Corbello so far? He's been, I, I feel like he's been pretty impressive um, with his vision and his ability to just find a way to get in the paint. And um, I, I, got to feel I'd love to play with him I, I feel like I could score with him there I, I struggle to get open most of the time but I think he'd get me open so he'll, he'll get you open that's exactly right and and, and Corbell is a really fun player to play with because of he finds you in the spots where you need the basketball and so it's one of those things you see all the time a big guy's running the floor right you give it to him too early when he's at the free throw lane now he's either got to take that long step or he's got to put the ball on the floor and now he's going to turn it over he's not comfortable he misses the shot so he's going to get the, the ball to his teammate in the right spot at the right time into their shooting motion. And, and that's fun to play with. Um, you know, he sees the floor extremely well and knows where guys are supposed to be. And you teach it all the time. Don't leave your feet right before you know what you're going to do with the basketball. He seems to leave his feet and then knows he's got two or three more options while he's in the air. And he knows where those options are. So, uh, sometimes it almost looks like it's a bailout, but I believe he knows where those guys are supposed to be stationed. I believe he knows where they're supposed to be and he finds them. And, you know, he had, I think six assists last night. It felt like 15, you know, like a lot of times you say someone had a quiet 20 points, you know what I mean? Or like, man, he had allowed eight to 10 points last night. It seemed like he just made big shots. I feel like he makes big assists and they're loud assists. And it's just like, I was shocked. He only had six. I thought for sure he was double digit assists last night. Uh, when I checked the box score at the end of the game, because he seems like he makes a big play. He seems like he makes the right play and he gets multiple guys involved. I think three or four different guys were able to score on those six assists. So he gets everybody involved. It's not just one guy. Usually Kofi's finishes are really loud after Curbelo passes to him. So we, we tend to remember those because uh, he puts a hurt up. He actually, Curbelo got a dunk. I mean, so I, did you ever get a dunk in college, Sean? Did you ever get a dunk? I, no, I, I was never even close. I, I think uh, I'm going to give people a heart attack if I tried to go off with uh, a 10-point. So uh, I never got that breakaway with a 30-point game on the line, you know, that you could be able to, to go ahead and, and try it. But, um, yeah, we got to give them credit. I think it was a dunk. We'll give, we'll give them credit. I think the rim, the hand touched the rim last night. It's all good. It's the, the lay in. It. I, I think I did that one, too. You lay it in and grab the rim just to kind of pull the rim. Yeah, it was a dunk. It's a dunk. It counts, right? right? So, uh, no, <laughs> but no, it's, it's good. Uh, yeah. He's been impressive where, you know, you've got to see a lot of big 10 games, obviously. And where do you think Illinois fits in the big 10? 
you know, I, I like where they're at. It, it, this year, I feel like we've seen swings more than ever before, but they are a top team and they definitely can win the Big Ten. And based on a game or two here or there, your, your opinion changes kind of day to day. Um, I really like Iowa, but my hesitation with Iowa was, can they get stops? Can they really get one, two, three stops in a row late in a ball game to win them a game? They can score with anybody, uh, but can they defensively get it done? They just kind of showed that at Rutgers. A couple big stops there late in the ball game on the road now my opinion kind of changes of Iowa a little bit. Hey, they, they showed that they can get some of those stops, uh, you know, down the stretch. That was my knock on them. My knock on Rutgers right now is I feel like Rutgers is Illinois last year. You know, they're kind of one year behind where they haven't been good for a while. You watch them. They pass the eye test. They've won some big games, but you kind of are waiting for like, are they going to fall off here at some point? Are they going to be able to be consistent throughout the year? Um, and so you just maybe don't trust Rutgers quite enough yet just because you want to see it over a course of a year or two uh, before you have that faith in them Um, but they're right there Uh, you know Wisconsin's the other one they're just they're just steady you know in this climate we talked about playing in front of no fans Um, games are going to get canceled the day before a game so you have this prep for two three days it gets canceled now you got to start prepping for another team how do you respond to that mentally Um, I think seniors might respond to that uh, in a good way. So they've got the seniors on that team. They're steady, uh, you know, and then they go and kind of lay an egg at home against Maryland. So then it kind of drops them. So I think you're, you're going to fluctuate, but um, those are my top four right now. And you throw Illinois in there, it's going to change game to game week to week based on those four. But I really believe those four are in the running for the big 10. Um, and I see that being a four kind of team race moving forward the rest of the season. I would say one of the surprise teams is Illinois' next opponent, Northwestern. I think they've surprised a lot of people. Um, they are, you know, they're they're they weren't a they weren't highly regarded coming into the season. Most people picked them to finish in the bottom four, uh, maybe at near you know just above Nebraska, perhaps maybe thirteenth. So, a lot of people had them at the bottom, but they've you know they've won some big games. They've won some good games, and um, they've kind of, they've been pretty impressive. Is there a is what are your thoughts on Northwestern? And you go back to it's an in-state it's not really a rivalry as such. I think maybe it's more of a rivalry for Northwestern than it is for Illinois, but what, what are your thoughts on that game coming up and about the Northwestern team? Yeah. I mean, they've impressed so far, right? I mean, no one expected this for them to be ranked um, a team that obviously took a lot of hits last year, you know, and really struggled. And there's some growing pains. They go through that and, and guys got some heavy minutes. You learn from that. You get that experience they're playing with a lot of confidence. And even in the loss at Iowa, I thought, you know, they looked really good for long stretches of that game. And, um, you know, Nance was really impressive. The way he's able to knock, uh, step out, knock down shots, put it on the floor. Uh, so that could be a difficult matchup for Illinois, just kind of if that's Kofi guarding him, you know, it's going to be tough for him to go out and, and, and move his feet when he goes on the dribble. Obviously, you know, Georgie could be a good matchup for him, but then you're playing either two bigs or Kofi's out. So, um, you know, that's one of them. And they're shooting the three really well. So when they start getting confidence and they're shooting the three, well, it stretches out the defense, opens up some driving lanes. Um, and, and when a team kind of gets hot like that, you have to find shooters in transition. You got to get uh, hands up and be contesting. Cause if you can knock off two, three, four threes and, you know, a couple minutes stretch that can really swing a ball game. So uh, definitely some concerns there. I still 
want to see Northwestern maybe a little bit more before I completely jump on. They're very good. But before I get them in that kind of top half of the Big Ten, I'd like to see them, you know, knock off a few more uh, games here. Their stretch is brutal. I know everyone goes through it in the Big Ten, but uh, rankings are going to change. But as of last week, I thought they played like 12 out of the next 14 against ranked opponents. So, I mean, they they could go, you know, five and nine in that stretch, and that wouldn't be awful when you're going against ranked opponents. But obviously that would really crush you in the Big Ten race and kind of push you down to that bottom half of the Big Ten. So, We'll have to kind of see how they play out here over the next two, three weeks. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you can go through a stretch in the Big Ten where you could go, you know, you go, you know, I, I told fans that some of the fans, I said, you know, you go 500 over a tough stretch. That's really good. And, and people think, well, we lost a game. Well, you're going to lose games in this conference this year with that, with nine, nine ranked teams, you're going to lose some games. Is there a, is there a when you look at the Big Ten and, and you talk about this, how do they pick NCAA tournament teams this year with so few non-conference games being played? How's that going to work? You think? Well, it's going to be difficult, and there's going to be complaints, but I think that's the case every year, you know. And that's the beauty of the NCAA tournament is there's 68 teams. So, <laughs> is somebody going to get left out? Of course they are, right? Is somebody going to get in that probably shouldn't have gotten in? Of course they are, but. You know, you're talking about four or five teams maybe that should not got in or four or five teams that should have got in over 68 teams. So, you know, that's part of the beauty of March Madness is to argue about the last couple teams <laughs> that get in now, but just enjoy the process, enjoy the experience. Um, you know, teams are going to get a fair chance to get into the NCAA tournament. There's going to be plenty of games, um, you know, to kind of – make your case, right? I mean, we're knock on wood, things are going fairly smoothly. So it looks like we're going to have a large number of games to kind of judge these teams by. It doesn't look like anyone's just going to have 10, 12, 13, you know, games on the books. It looks like everyone's going to get over that kind of 20 mark as long as things keep kind of going the way that they are. So, um, you know, we're going to be able to judge these teams. We're going to be able to see them. You didn't get as many non-conference games to kind of compare some of those. But I'm also a believer, if you're getting better towards the end of the year, shouldn't that matter, right? If you lost a non-conference game, I get it. That's your only chance to compare out-of-conference foes. But if you dropped a few games early and now you're hot towards the end, I think you should be credited for improving throughout the year. So, um, you know, based on what these teams are doing here down the stretch, you know, that's – I know they don't look at the last 10 anymore. That used to be a criteria of how to get teams in, but – I think that's important. I think it's important how you're playing down the stretch. If, if you're bad at the beginning of the year and you can prove and just keep, continue to keep getting better, why should you be, you know, you know, get a bad knock because of something you did back in November when we're talking about it's March. So I, I, I think how you improve throughout the season should be something that you should look at. Yeah, I totally agree. Totally agree. It's going to be, I think the eye test is going to be a little more important this year, maybe than other years, you know, less, less computer ranking stuff, but um, yeah, I totally agree with that. So uh, where are you at right now? I mean, are, what's the temperature down there? What's the weather like? Cause I'm sitting it, here with snow out my back back door. So we're, we're, we're getting chilly. It's, it's, it's 70 degrees. The cool front kind of came through. So we were, we were in the eighties and they, it dropped a little bit. So it's a little cool front for a couple, couple weeks. We'll see if we can survive the harsh winters down here for the next couple of that, weeks. That's rough. I, I feel for you. I really do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's tough so so you get to while you're down there do you get a do you get a lot of gelato while you're down there is that i know you're a big gelato fan 
I, I am. Yeah, I, I, uh, there's a few shops here and there that you can definitely hit up. But yeah, that was uh, well, that was definitely an Italy thing when we uh, <laughs> I went on a very strict diet on that Italy trip. It was gelato, pasta, and pizza. And if it wasn't one of those three, then I wasn't touching it. So um, I went on quite a quite a run. I think of the gelatos. Yeah, Burson said you used all of your per diem on gelato. So for the entire trip. It's probably true. Yeah, I had, I had to compare all the shops. So, uh, you know, it was, it was a very scientific method. You had to get uh, the lemon at every place because that was like the comparison, you know, who's lemon, you know, that was kind of the clean the palate kind of a thing. And then you would get what they were known for at that shop as well. So you had to get two scoops of everything every time you went. And you had to get at least a handful of different shops to, to compare to make sure you had the uh, uh, the best uh, the shop down there. So we, we, we took advantage of that. Do, do we know the best now? So if, if we're traveling to Italy, you know, post-pandemic, we get to go to Italy. Um, the Sean Harrington approved gelato in Italy is what? Uh, the, the stracciatella, which is like a shaved chocolate. So it's some of them have little like mini chocolate chips in it, but some of them were shaved. And it was shaved in there. It, it really kind of upped the, uh, the the flavor in it. So it, it's uh, stracciatella, I believe is how you pronounce it, but it's it's basically chocolate chip, but it was shaved and it, it was top notch. I, I definitely, that, that's definitely one to go to. Yeah, this is the kind of information that's really important. You know, we talked about college basketball. Gelato is much more important for future no endeavors. There's no, no question. Question. So we really yeah. like that. So, um, no, well, I, I appreciate you coming on, Sean. Um, thanks a lot. It's, uh, you know, obviously going back to the time, um, you know, when you were, uh, you know, at playing at Illinois and then coaching at Illinois. It was great to get to know you. Um, I thought you, uh, you know, you did, did a great job there. Um, I, I will say that your Rebounders Club speech is still one of the best. Um, going back to when you're reading the accolades and you decided that we should play Chicago State more. Um, I think that's that's pretty impressive stuff right there. You know, making yeah. that, being able to come up with that on, on the fly. Absolutely. Yeah. Got to make sure all those in-state teams are happy, right? Got to get those rivalries going. <laughs> yeah. So versus telling me, you know, we were talking about it. He said, Sean's up there Pete, speaking and he says, uh, he looks down and he says 11 points against career high, 11 points against Chicago state career high, 15 points against Chicago state looks over at coach Weber and says, we should have played Chicago state more. So, um, <laughs> Got to pad those stats, right? You guys appreciate that. You got to you got to get some of those uh, those walk-ons need minutes too. So you got to get some of those games in there where they can uh, they can bump up some of those stats. All right. Well, hey, thanks again for coming on, Sean. I appreciate it. Um, thought you uh, look forward to hearing from you. You got what game are you calling this week? Uh, nothing, nothing right now. So that changes on the fly too with all the cancellations and stuff like that. So. I'm just uh, on, on the on deck. You got to be ready to drop of a hat anytime uh, your number gets called. So it's uh, been a crazy year I, I, for the players. It's been crazy for the SIDs and, you know, behind the scenes, TV work, all that. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's been nuts. So I guess all we can do is just enjoy it when we can get games and enjoy it when we get to watch them. And uh, it, it'll definitely be a season we'll look back on and, and say, how did we get through that? But uh, it's been fun while we've been able to. Well, hopefully if Illinois makes a run down the stretch, it'll be a lot more, we'll have a lot more positive memories of this season uh, at the end. Absolutely. All right. All right. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, Larry. Yep. Appreciate you guys. You got it. Thank you.